It is a pleasure to be here with you guys today. Uh, uh, we don't get to do this very often. Uh, most Sundays we're preaching at a prison, and uh, it is a joy to come and fellowship with you. I, I was here, we were here, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, and uh, Richard once again asked uh, me to come back. I said, you sure? Have you taken a vote on that? Uh, you may want to get, uh, but it is a joy, and uh, we just uh, got to meet Colin and uh, talk with him and, and hear about what God's doing here. Uh, to see what the saints are up to up in Clarksville, down in Nashville. Uh, God is working too. We bring you greetings from Hickory Grove Presbyterian Church, which is a sister church uh, there in Mount Juliet. Uh, it was founded or planted by Christ Pres in Nashville about 15, 16 years ago. Uh, and is uh, now uh, God is using and blessing, and uh, we're just a Counted a joy to be part of the staff there and, and work with them. And, and I, I was thinking about what to share uh, with you, and uh, I, I kept landing back on the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1 to be more specific, and uh, really thinking about the idea of concentric circles of concern. I, I read a book, I read a book by that title. I think the, the author's name is Oscar Thompson. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of him or read that book. Uh, I think uh, Lifeway now publishes it, puts it out, and uh, it really affected me. I was at the time associate pastor in Texas, and I guess about 30 years ago, and a young Christian, and was involved in evangelism, ministry, all that you do is staff and, and members of a church, and uh, someone gave me this book to read, and I'm just not knowing the scripture as well as I should, I thought, well, this guy came up with a really good plan. I like this. It's like uh, 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 ripples in a pond, you know, in, in these concentric circles of concern start with yourself and it eventually goes uh, through family and so forth and out to person X and you have this strategy uh, of how to share the gospel with people because I'd never really thought much about that and not really had any teaching on that. And uh, come to find out as I was reading in the book, it came right out of the book of Acts. It was actually God's plan, uh, strategic as it is. And uh, so I thought I'd share with you guys not only the, the, the scripture that we can certainly be blessed with as we partake and eat of the word, uh, but also to kind of share in, in intermingled in there the, the ministry of uh, Harvest Prison Ministry, uh, how God is working there, and use a lot of the illustrations from uh, the ministry behind the walls. Because I want to tell you, there's, there's a church behind the walls. God is building his kingdom and one of the first things I learned uh, starting in prison ministry was that, that he has a church behind the walls. He has men and women uh, that he has chosen, that he has brought to redemption, that he has justified and sanctified. And uh, he is using people to lead them and to encourage them. Now, it's similar in some ways. It's dis dissimilar in some ways. Uh, we can't have elders and deacons because the inmates are not allowed to have authority over other inmates. But we're at, we are allowed to go in as pastors. And uh, we're really excited that we can go in and as Reformed uh, pastors uh, that teach uh, the Reformed faith, uh, the Presbyterian uh, faith and uh, or denomination. And we don't necessarily try to make people Presbyterians, but we do want to share with them uh, the sovereignty of God and how wonderful he is uh, and they did, that he does pre, predestine. I remember Robert, uh, uh, if I may share this, he was in our class for a n number of uh, months and, and uh He's just soaking up the word. I mean, he was just on fire. 
And uh, I could see early on that God really had his hand on him, maybe to, to teach, uh, if not maybe sometimes preach. Uh, but I was sharing just right our Romans. I think we've been studying the book of Romans for a while. And, well, you can't go through there without teaching the foreign faith, can you? And uh, so we were just going through there, and he would keep, keep giving me these looks, and he was going through this. And uh, later after he got out, he said, you know, I used to hate you. I said, what? You used to hate me? He said, yeah, because I did, you came with this Reformed faith and just turned my whole theology upside down. He said, I thought I had a big part in my salvation, and you showed me that it's by God's electing grace. And I was mad at you for a while until I read it and found out that's what the Bible says. And I said, well, that's wonderful. And that's, that's the joy of our ministry. It's primarily a teaching ministry behind the walls. And uh, as with all teaching, you learn more. I come away very much blessed by being around these men. And I'll share part of that as we go along. Let's look at our text today, if we could, from Acts chapter 1. I'd like us to read, uh, let's start with uh, verse 6 and go through verse 11. And if you wouldn't mind, in honor of God's word, one more time to stand. Uh, as we feast on the, the bread of heaven and the bread of life. Acts 1, verse 6, will be reading from the English Standard Version. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to gather together on this day of rest, thanking you that Jesus Christ is our Sabbath, the Lord of the Sabbath. And as we come to bow our knees and to lift up our hands to you, we pray as always that you would be exalted, that you would be glorified in everything we say and sing and pray. And Father, we also believe that unless you sanctify, consecrate these words, these hearts, uh, these hands, these notes, uh, Father, it would be just like uh, clanging cymbals. Uh, so we, Father, we pray through your Holy Spirit and through the, the finished work of Christ that uh, it, it, would, it would be sanctified so that it could be a gift uh, offered up as a sweet-smelling savor in your nostrils. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that we're here for a purpose, uh, for you have truly called us, ordained this time. Uh, but that we are also here to be equipped uh, so that we can go out and do the work of the ministry. I pray for Richard as he travels around and he, when he comes back. I pray that you give him traveling mercies. I thank you for a church uh, that has allowed him to take that sabbatical and may be fruitful as he comes back to share what he has learned. Uh, Father, and as we go through this text today, help us to see truly that you are uh, the author and finisher of our faith and that you have a plan of evangelism for us, a missional work. Uh, you have commissioned us to be a part of an eternal gospel plan. And so, Father, help us to, to just be encouraged. I don't want to preach this as a law or try to burden people down with guilt, uh, but that they can see that in Christ we have all the freedom that we need and the power that we need 
uh, to go forth in victory uh, and to love our neighbor well, uh, which includes sharing the truth of, of the gospel, and to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. When you look at these uh, concentric circles of concern uh, that, that Christ was teaching his disciples about all through his three-year ministry, uh, you see them come to this hill for the time of ascension. Uh, it's a time when Jesus Christ, who is now going to be high and lifted up, literally, uh, has paid the price for sin. He has uh, given his life for his sheep. Uh, he has raised up his, his life. The Father has blessed him. Uh, he has appeared to his disciples for 40 days. He now says, takes his disciples on a hillside outside Jerusalem, and he begins to share with them. We saw in Matthew, now we see in Acts, that, that he is going to have to go away and that he'll be lifted up. But don't be discouraged because I'm sending the helper. Remember that part of the scripture. And I'm also going to give you a plan of how I'm going to accomplish. We have to remember that. How God is going to accomplish this mission of the gospel, bringing it to all the nations, the completion of the Abrahamic covenant that we, we read about. And all the nations are going to be blessed, not just by Israel anymore, but by the church. The church, the spiritual Israel, is going to be a blessing unto, unto all the nations. And I'm not just going to send you out piecemeal, uh, but I'm going to send you out in, 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 in an orderly fashion, because I do all things in decency and order. I'm going to send you out, uh, and, and, but I'm going to have to, uh, not only have, we, have I prepared you to go out, but I'm now giving you a plan to go out. Uh, I remember when I first became a Christian, I was uh, trained in, do you remember Evangelism Explosion? Did anybody ever take EE? Did you? Yeah, I'll see a few heads there. Uh, it, it's a great, great mi uh, ministry uh, witnessing program. And it was started by uh, uh, Dr. Kennedy uh, there in Coral Gables, is that what it is, or Ridge? Gables. Said. And uh, tremendous, tremendous ministry. And uh, so uh, I was a young Christian, and the associate pastor trained me, and we would go. Uh, to do knock on doors and visit people and tell them about Jesus and give them this plan that we had uh, 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 memorized and scripture that we memorized. We had, uh, if someone had some uh, questions about it, we had how to answer the questions. And it was just a, a wonderful thing. Uh, and, and, and we would go out and share the gospel. I remember one night we went, we went to this fellow, and I had just really, I, I really hadn't worked that hard, but I finally got it memorized. And I was really nervous. I was a young Christian. And uh, I went with a good buddy of mine that become a Christian. And we were just young zealots out there ready to, you know, save the world. And so we knock on this door. And uh, I'm sharing uh, my faith with this guy. It's my turn. And if you're familiar with EE, while you're sharing your faith, the other person's praying for you. And uh, so this guy, he didn't let us in, but he was very friendly. And, and uh, he began to listen. And it's about a, you know, 15, 20 minute presentation. And I thought, man, I am really doing good. This is great. I've got this down. And he's looking at me like, yeah, yeah, oh, yes. And I'm thinking, man, the first night out of the shoot, you know, I'm gonna, there's going to be a convert. I'm going to get to go back and say, I'll let somebody. Jesus is excited. So I'm sitting there and I'm saying, oh, and Jesus loves you and all these things. you have anything? And I said, uh, would you like to pray to receive Christ right now? And he just looked at me. And right there, he just looked over at my friend. He goes, aren't you Frankie Dial? I went, oh, my goodness. But I've loved that plan. 
God has a plan for us to, to share our evangelism. And if, you, if we're not working on some type of scriptural plan or, or, or reading the word, praying, asking God to send us out, uh, we're going to find out, obviously, that our evangelism is going to be very weak. Uh, but, but Jesus has paired his disciples and says, here's how I'm going to send you out. I'm going to send you out to, to, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Now, if you're one of the disciples standing there, and they've already asked him the question, of, you know, when are you going to reestablish your kingdom? They, they, didn't, they still wasn't getting it. They still thought it was going to be a political kingdom, didn't they? They thought Jesus was going to, going to put them on the thrones, and they were going to overthrow Rome, and the city of Jerusalem would be in its glory days of, of David, and that's how it's going to... Still not getting it. But he's still plugging, he's still teaching, he's still letting them know. And he says, the first place I want to see you, send you is back into Jerusalem. Now, as a disciple of Christ, having been through what you've been through, that is probably, I would guess, the last place you wanted to be sent, right? What is Jerusalem? It's no longer the city of peace, Jerusalem, Shalom. No, it's no longer the city of David. What is it? It's a city of death. It's a place where you don't want to be caught. It's a place where they crucified your Savior. It's a place that Rome controls. They've got a, a, a head, headlock on that, that town, that city, that area. Uh, how could the gospel go forth there? Because we only ended up with 120. They're going to have 120 in the, in the upper room. He said, we only have 12 out on the hill and so many. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's really a good place to... He said, no, I want you to go to Jerusalem. Now, they, they had to remember, after the Holy Spirit gave them these remembrances... That, that, that God had, Jesus had told him and says, listen, they're, they're going to hate you. They're going to despise you. Wherever I send you, people are, most of them are going to despise you. Some of them are going to beat you. Some are going to throw you in jail. And then some of you are going to be martyred for my name's sake. So when he says Jerusalem, oh, that sure let the air out of the bag. I mean, there's, oh, my goodness. We've applied this, this strategy to Charles Bass, where is where uh, we minister most of the time. And, and, and what we did was, a few years ago, we took those concentric circles and applied them uh, uh, to, the, to the men behind the walls, to the church behind the walls. And the way we did it was, that first circle was the person's cell. Now, the cells in Charles Bass, as with most uh, state prisons here in Tennessee, are probably about six and a half by nine or ten feet, something like that, uh, where two people live, their bunks, their shelf for their uh, good uh, uh, possessions they have, a toilet, a sink. Uh, it, it's Can you imagine that? You're locked in there, and uh, it, it's like a large walk-in closet. And when I share with the men about how God now can use them as Christians, that that, yes, they're broken, but that's who God uses. Amen? God uses broken men. Matter of fact, I tell the guys, you guys are really overqualified. Yeah. And I say, listen, here's what, here's what God wants to do with you. And, and maybe it's in a worship service when I'm sharing this in the gymnasium. And, 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 and I say, uh, God wants to, you to be a, a missionary. Uh, this is going to be your mission field for however how many months and years you're going to be behind bars. And I said, I know the last place you want to go from this gymnasium is back through those clanging doors and, and be locked down for 15 years of your life. I know that. 
But God knows it too, and he's sovereign. And he redeems people and redeems families. And he wants to use you to share the gospel with your what they call celly. That's what they call their bunkmates, if you will, cellies. And it's amazing when you see men begin to see that there's a purpose for their lives. Because many behind bars, even those who become Christians, begin to wonder, have I ruined my life? I, I may never, ever uh, get to, to be uh, used by God. I mean, I remember one time we had a, a gentleman, his name was John Goff. And uh, this has been a number of years ago, and I was in the gymnasium there, and he uh, was walking around the gym uh, and looked very pale, probably in his 40s, a white guy, kind of really, just really sickly. And he kept looking at me. I had a badge on that said uh, volunteer chaplain. And I was waiting to see someone in the office there at the gym, and he kept walking by and looking at me. And I thought, oh, no. Here's a guy that's going to talk. I'm late. I need to get somewhere. This is going to be. And he came to me and finally said, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, sure. So we went and sat down. Long story short, this man had uh, uh, committed a crime. He's going to be in prison eight years flat. He had a professional man. He was a teacher, been in the military, never been in jail, never did anything like that. But for this crime, he was eight years flat. That's what he was looking at. And he said, I ran. I initially took off. Went down to Mississippi. Checked in a motel, couldn't get away from God because the lady that was uh, uh, the clerk there at the desk invited him to church. He said, no. He kept inviting him to church, inviting him to church. He went to church. Guess what happened? He got saved. Turned himself in, and there I was talking to a man that said to me, I've now become a Christian. I don't know what my life is going to be like. I've lost my family. I've lost everything. Can God ever use me again? Wow. Boy, you tell you what, you love to hear that, don't you? I said, I've got great news for you. And just like Robert, he came to our classes and began to, to grow in Christ and really found out that God has a, had a plan for him. And yes, it did include incarceration. Yes, it did include his sin. It did include his failures. But it also included the blood of Christ and the power of the gospel to transform man into the image of Christ. Well, another long story short, he, over the weeks, began to go back to his guild and invite other people to the Bible study, and he began to start teaching the gospel and praying and, and started a prayer group where half of the men back there every night were getting out to pray, and they would get in prayer circles. He said, I'd never seen this. It's incredible. And lo and behold, he was shipped a few months later, and we kept in contact regularly. He started a Bible study. He started a Bible college. He now has 260 men that he is sending Bibles to and, and lesson books, all by support from other people. Isn't that incredible? That's what God does when he gives us these assignments. And the first place assignment he's going to give us is probably right smack in the middle of our family. I mean, if we apply that to those who are not incarcerated with you guys here, uh, where is God leading you? You know where the hardest place to minister the gospel, be a witness is? Is in your home, isn't it? Yeah, no doubt about that. Jesus even spoke about himself. You remember he wasn't welcome in his own town as a prophet? Why wasn't he welcome? They said, aren't you Jesus, uh, Joseph's son? 
and Mary's son? In other words, aren't you illegitimate? What right do you have to talk to me? We try to talk to our friend, excuse me, our, our, our family, brothers, sisters, mother, son, I mean daughters, whatever. You know what we discover? They know exactly what we've been like, haven't they? Don't they? And they really have a hard time listening down testimony, especially if they're not a believer. They don't know that we've been changed. We're being transformed. There's a metamorphosis going on in our lives. So the first concentric circle there that Jesus sends his disciples is exactly to the place where they don't want to go. Inmates have that every day. You have it in your life. You need to be reconciled to some family members. I'm struggling right now with my relationship with my brother, if I can be honest with you. Uh, since my parents died and, and our mother was kind of the glue for the family, we have not spent much time together, and we, like brothers, get on each other's nerves terribly. And uh, I've called him, and it's been months, years since we've gotten together. I need something I need to repent of, and I repent of a lot, but I sure haven't made much effort because it's difficult. It's hard. And guess what? It, God calls you to share your faith with your family and with whomever. And those men in the cells, it's going to be messy. It's never clean and easy. It's hard. It's hard. Jesus says, I'm sending you right back where we just came from, and I want you to go and share the gospel. Uh, I remember one time I was talking about cells. Um, one of the uh, officers Contact me, he says, uh, can you go see Chris in such and such guild and such a cell? Uh, he tried to commit suicide last night. So I went, not knowing what to find or expect, and uh, so they let him out of his cell, and we met in just a little ante room there, and uh, he had uh, bandages on his wrist. Uh, I've never seen anybody, I don't know that I've seen anybody demon-possessed, uh, and I don't know that he was, but it was a hard situation. I was, and I kept praying. I said, Lord, you are Lord of uh, uh, Satan will have nothing to do with this, this man. Lord, uh, cast him away in your name and so forth. And, 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 and so he began to share a little bit about his life. And he was downtrodden. He just looked um, wretched. So I thought, well, whew, pray and present the gospel. We'll see what God's going to do. Because the gospel is the only thing big enough for this situation. So I began to share the gospel with him. And he began to come around a little bit and nod his head. And, and so when I asked him, I said, would you like to pray, uh, receive Christ, to, to follow him, repent of your sins? He said, yeah, I'd like to. And he prayed right there, one of the sweetest prayers I've heard. Time, uh, I'd run out of time there, so I, I told him I'd come back and see him the next day. I came back the next day, and they said, they brought him out there, and I thought, well, well what are we going to see here? Uh, it, was it legitimate? Was he really born again? Or did something... And I'm telling you, when I saw him, I thought it was another person. His face was lit up. His bandages were off. And he, he looked at me. He says, you know that Bible you gave me last night? I've been reading it all night. He said, I now know Jesus Christ. And he gave me one. Of the, I wish I could record these things. I don't want to do it. And uh, I was just overjoyed. I said, he said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back in there, and I'm going to tell my celly about Jesus Christ. I said, praise God. Look what God is doing. It's the power of the gospel and the salvation. He promises to be with us. Well, Jesus then says that he's going to send us out to Judea or send his disciples to Judea. Uh, that's kind of like in, 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 
in Tennessee talk, that's kind of like a county to us. Uh, it's the southern part of the kingdom, includes, of course, Jerusalem as the capital. Uh, Judea now uh, is under Roman rule. Uh, but what Jesus is going to do and remind them that it's not just uh, uh, the gospel for the Jews. It's also going to start including the Gentiles. It's working its way out to include people into all the world. And, and, and Jesus says, I'm going to send you out to these places. Now, you remember, uh, even after Jesus had assigned them to do that, and, and God began to bless at Pentecost where thousands were saved, uh, you remember that the church began to grow by leaps and bounds, as we say, and the apostles were there as the leaders of the Jerusalem church. What a wonderful time to be uh, alive, just to, just to see the fruits of, of Jesus' ministry begin to expand. But did you also notice a few years later there in the books of, book of Acts, they're still in Jerusalem. Now the Great Commission said go, right? It didn't say stay. Go next door, go get these concentric circles. Go on out there. So what did Jesus have to do to get them to go and, and, and evangelize the world? He had to send a persecution, didn't he? Yes, exact, exactly what happened. Uh, starting with Nero and, and with other governors in the area uh, in the 50s and 60s, of course, Paul and Peter were, were martyred uh, and, and says that the church began to spread uh, because of, of, of this, 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 this uh, uh, persecution that came from Rome and from the Jews. Yeah. Let me tell you something. When you start sharing your go- the gospel, with your family, with friends, with co-workers, whomever God has put on your heart, uh, there could be a persecution that comes with it. It'd be nice if we shared the gospel with it. With it it'd be nice that every person we shared the gospel with would repent and believe. Wouldn't it be wonderful? You know that doesn't happen most of the time. Most of the time we're planting seed is what we're doing. And we don't get to see the increase. And sometimes it comes back at us. There's a pushback from the world, believe it or not. Some of these men that, that share the gospel inside, it, it can be rather dangerous. Now, not necessarily physical every time, but to be ostracized in a closed environment like that and to be hated by a group of men can be very dangerous. They have uh, gang members, uh, Muslims now. Islam is growing rapidly in the prison system. Uh, they have all types of uh, 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 pressure from even officers. We had a fellow one time that was uh, so excited, and he was he'd become a Christian. He wanted to give a Bible to the officer in the guild, the guard, the officer. And uh, so he got, got a Bible, and he gave it to her. She said, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And she was in there reading it late at night. Well, and another officer came in the next day, and she mentioned about the Bible and how nice it was. He said, where'd you get that from so-and-so? And she, he said, well, that's, uh, that's soliciting. He can't, he can't give you, which it's not. But that's solicitation. He's trying to get something from you. So he reported her. They bring charges against that young man and put him in what is called lockdown, guild number four, which is a jail in a jail. And they lock him up. So I find out about it. I said, you are kidding me. So I go to see him. And as I'm looking through the little door, I'm expecting to see some guy, you know, just in tears. And he shares, he's got this big smile on his face. And I said, what? 
it's amazing. You've got this big smile, and you're, you've got charges. You get charges like this. You can be shipped. Uh, there's a lot of things. That, he said, you know what? I think God sent me in here to be a witness to these men. <laughs> I said, oh, wow. What a blessing. Whatever situation God has put you in, good or bad, God wants to use you to glorify himself and take the gospel to them. Well, just a few minutes here we have left. He then sent them out to Samaria. Uh, we won't take time to cover all that history there, but you know the Samaritans and the Jews did certainly did not get along at all. Uh, they hated each other, matter of fact. Uh, they considered the Jews and considered the Samaritans half-breeds. The Samaritans hated the Jews because they were so proud. Uh, you remember the story of Samaritan woman and all that, and you just didn't even go through Samaria. You didn't shake the hands of anybody from Samaria. You even shook the dust off if you had to go through Samaria or in the area, lest that dust would, would uh, uh, make your house impure or unclean. How silly that is. But what we discover inside is with all these this Aryan nation guys and Muslims and addicts and so forth, uh, it, it's a place that can be filled with, with uh, hatred, with antagonism. Uh, there's been people killed, there's been people stabbed, there's been people attacked uh, for all various reasons. Uh, so to be able to be called to go not only to your cell but to your guild and then also to the yard, to the rest of the, the prison, uh, is quite a calling uh, on their lives. And what we've seen is things like... Uh, I mean, we were in church just a few months back, and a couple of guys came up, and, and uh, they're in the Bible studies. They're just uh, sweet men of God now, and it's a very big, big blessing. And they came up, and they said, uh, well, we've started uh, a, a, a support or a uh, handout thing that we have with the, the newbies, they call it, the new guys that come in. I said, what's that? He said, well, we're taking up uh, toiletry items and uh, putting them in bags, and when they come in, because some of them come in with nothing, they get a few things from the state, some clothes and a few things, very little. And they say when they come in, we give them these uh, goodie bags, and uh, then we have the opportunity to put a track in there and to share the gospel. Folks, that's powerful. You see what God's doing behind the walls? He's working in his church, and he's bringing the increase in Day after day after day. Well, let me finish here with uh, number four, where it says to go out into all the world. Uh, we are an answer to God's prayer, aren't we? Jesus prayed that the gospel would go forth. We're seated here today because we Gentiles have been brought into the kingdom. We've been grafted into that tree. Uh, we are part of now the, the great blessings of the nations, and we are to be a blessing to our community. Uh, God has called us to do that. Uh, and he wants us to go out. And I, I've, Richard and I have talked about your uh, church and your mission efforts and all the things. Uh, it's just wonderful what God's doing there. But I want to share one more testimony, if I could. A uh, young man named Arturo Gonzalez. Met him oh, about a year ago, and uh, he came into the gym for the worship service. Uh, Hispanic gentleman, uh, we found out later, illegal alien. And uh, he had become a Christian in jail. And uh, he came in and sat down, and, and uh, we have probably 10 or 12 Hispanic gentlemen, uh, Charles Bass, out of the 650. Uh, we we're working on reaching them. But he came in, and he said this little smile, just a, I don't know, something about him. Very likable kid. 
And uh, so he was uh, shared the preach that day, and he came back and said, "I appreciate that. How can I have him get in a Bible study?" And, I, and he speaks pretty good English, certainly better than I do Spanish. And uh, so, so I said, "Well, you know, let's, why don't we start just a special Bible study with you and your your two friends that that don't speak Spanish well, and uh, I'll teach and you translate." Well, we tried that, but that's hard in a little group. And uh, so we found a, 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 a good study called Experiencing God. I don't know if you've heard of that before. Henry Blackaby wrote that. It's excellent. And uh, they have it in Spanish. So I got a couple of workbooks for them. Uh, and I thought, well, I hope this works. But sometimes it kind of fizzles because guys, you know, just run out of interest. And, man, it turned, he got so excited. He said, well, I'll tell you what. You teach me and I'll, here's what, here's what he you teach me and I'll teach these, these two guys here. So, so he began to grow in Christ and uh, teaching these other guys about the gospel. And they would come to worship and uh, just became a, a, a real integral part of, the, of networking to the nations behind the bar, behind the walls. Isn't that incredible? But what's exciting about it, he, got, he was released about two months ago. And they were uh, deporting him back to Mexico via California. I don't know how, why it worked that way, but it did. So... I'd lost touch, but I'd already given my address, wanted him to write me. I was going to write him. We're going to see if we get some missionaries connected with him. Uh, so I get this call, and it says California, and I don't recognize the number, but I answer it, and uh, it's Arturo's cousin who lives in California. He's called her, and she's called me, so it's a three-way call, and Arturo's just beside himself, excited. Uh, and he's sharing about now he's back with his mother, uh, and we had sent his mother a Bible. Uh, probably about two two months prior to that, uh, he said his mother's reading the Bible that we sent to her, and uh, so he's so excited. And he began to share over and over about how much he appreciated the ministry and the other men that, that were equipping him and so forth. Uh, and he said, "Listen, I really think uh, I want to be a teacher, maybe." And I kind of thought I kind of thought since that when I was working with him, and uh, he said, "And I think I want to be a preacher too." I, I almost ran off the road. I mean, I just was just tears just swelled up, and I said, "Look at this! Look at what God's doing!" And and, and I would have never planned this. I mean, how can you how can you plan that? And he says, "I just need to, to study, don't I?" And so I began to talk to him what it meant to 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 be a pastor and a teacher and to be ordained and whatever God calls to in whatever denomination. Uh, and I said, "Well, we'll send materials and we'll try to get in contact with." Uh, some missionaries or someone there in Mexico that might be able to contact you. Uh, and here Arturo now is a, a, a missionary to the inner circle, to his family, to his relatives, and now God has called him to, 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 to preach the gospel. That's what God is doing behind the walls. And that's what God is doing in our homes, in our families. I'd like to share one last thing, just really to encourage you. I was watching the news the other day, and... Uh, well, you know, you watch the news, it can get kind of depressing, can't it? Uh, you know, and I want to stay up on the news. I don't want, I want, to, be, I don't want to know what to pray about. Uh, but I begin to realize, uh, you know, maybe I'm watching too much news and listening to too much talk radio. And uh, so I, uh, I heard a fellow on a Christian station, and he was sharing about the statistics of the number of people that are coming into the church daily. And I think he said 25,000 or 250,000 people coming into the kingdom every day. And he said, even though we are in enemy territory and there's a lot of pushback from the enemy and it is a dangerous place, there's no doubt about it. 
God is still building his kingdom. And he said, it's an interesting thing. He quoted uh, uh, Charles Colson, which you, who you know has, has had prison ministry. He said Chuck Colson thought and believed till his dying day that the next great re revival would happen behind the walls in prisons with the least of these, with the weak ones, with the broken ones. He said, and we in church need to pray that God would break us. <laughs> Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, what a joy to have looked at your word and tasted and seen and heard the gospel. Uh, even though from a frail and weak tool, uh, I thank you, Lord, that that it hasn't been clinging symbols because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, because of the power of the Word itself, because of the faith of the church, uh, because of the indwelling Spirit in this body. Uh, and we would pray, Lord, that you would continue to work your will and way in the church behind the walls, and, Lord, that you would use weak people like us uh, and that, Father, these testimonies would not only bring glory to you, but would spread all over this state and this nation and this world of how great God is and what he's doing in his kingdom work. Uh, we love you today. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.